everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome. We're, I'm very excited about today's episode. I'm glad. Uh, because I have a lot of personal history with this game. Oh, good. It's uh, so rare. I, I, I know. I know. <laughs> I've loved this game. And I know, what were you playing back in the day? I remember playing, not finishing a lot of games. Okay. Star Voyager on the NES. I have played countless times, never come close to finishing never it. Never heard of that. No. But, um, so today we're talking about the Final Fantasy Adventure. The, the quintessential Final Fantasy Adventure. So, tech, usually, uh, I save the little background for the game itself, developer and publishing, all that, for my personal mm-hmm. history. But instead, we're going to do it here together, because I have some stuff to talk about. Yeah, personal great. History. So, this is actually, oh god, I'm going to have to say Japanese, and Russ is going to make fun of me. Yes, I can't wait. One of my favorite things. Oh, this is not a Final Fantasy game. It is the first game in the Seiken Densetsu series. Oh, you're so close. Uh, which is more commonly known in North America as the Mana series. Yes. Uh, Secret of Mana is the sequel to this game. Yes. Which, by my way, by the way, I never knew that. Like, I wanted Secret of Mana when it came out because Nintendo Power and all that. Yeah. I got it, and the opening crawl, I was just like, "Wait, this sounds." <laughs> Familiar. This is, is this a sequel to that Game Boy game that I haven't thought about in five years? Uh, it was published and by Square was. in 1991. Yes. Let's go ahead and get Russ's little personal history out of the way so I can do mine. Yeah. And mine will be short and sweet. short and sweet so final fantasy adventure i had on the game boy because it was a game that had the words final fantasy in it um and i was initially disappointed to realize that it wasn't the same as like final fantasy legend and then i really got into it and it kind of introduced me to this new world of adventure action adventure rpg I also had the game on the Game Boy. It was... It and Link's Awakening were the two games that I had on the Game Boy that I just endlessly played. Um, So when I was a kid growing up, my grandparents lived in Colorado. I live in Texas. It's about a 14-hour drive. And we went up there at the very least for Christmas every year. But sometimes we'd make two or three trips up there a year. And I would always have my Game Boy with me, and I would just play the pants off these games. And, uh, of course, the Game Boy wasn't backlit on the screen. Right. So you'd have to, like, negotiate with your dad. Like, can I turn the light on here? No, we'll all die. I just want it on for a little bit so I can see the... It'll kill us all. You didn't have the, the handy-dandy Game Boy light. I did eventually get the magnifier <laughs> the and light. The magnifier and light. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I played the bejesus out of this game. Um, and, of course, the game lets you name your characters. Or name the two main characters, yeah. the boy and the girl. Uh, and back then, I would, of course, just name the boy after me. Of course. And I named the girl after the girl I had a crush on in the fourth grade. Because I think that was around the time I was playing this game. Might have been might have been a year or two later. But, mm-hmm. like, what the hell am I going to name a girl? So, even now, when I replayed this, when it was recently released as a Switch, part of a Switch collection, uh, the girl is still named Rita. Rita? That's amazing. That is the girl I had. That was probably the last name I expected you to say, but... <laughs> 
the best name you could have chosen. <laughs> that is the name of the girl I had a crush on in the fourth grade because she had uh, she had this wild sense of humor, not dissimilar to my own. Sure. Uh, always, you know, speaking up and causing a bit of trouble and just like, oh my gosh, a girl after my own heart. Good old Jeff and Rita. I imagine her emerging from a space dumpster after 10,000 years. Well, apparently her ruckus causing was uh, problematic. Okay. Because uh, she actually, we went to the same school district, uh, first and second grade, but I didn't know her. Then third grade, she went to a private school. Fourth grade, she came back to the school district. And then after that, it was back to private school for good. Okay. So I don't know what was going on behind the scenes with her, but apparently her and her parents had some issues. Rita, if you're listening, I hope you're okay today. Rita, I'm not saying your last name, so it's okay. We're all good. Yeah. I, I remember it. <laughs> I'm not saying. Anyway. Just anyone named Rita, I hope you're doing okay. <laughs> the rest of you <laughs> can go f*** yourselves. All right. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I... I I've played the bejesus out of this game. This is one of the few games, the soundtrack is embedded in my soul. And the soundtrack is incredible. For, for the Game, game Boy, Boy especially. Game, yes. But like, Russ and I were watching Desert Bus the other day, and they were very, very faintly in the background playing some music, yes. and it was Earthbound music. And I kept pointing out to him the various tracks, and it was it was amusing because you could only hear a couple notes at a time. Yeah, I'm like, how so do faint. you even hear that? Because the Earthbound soundtrack is just ingrained in my soul, and True. I can pick it up. And this game, actually, the soundtrack here is the... I can hear the dungeon theme in my head mm -hmm. right now. And it's very rare for music to have a connection like that to me. But anyway, we'll move on to story and characters. Yay. Escape Slave. Wow. Really? I wrote that? Did you put when an escaped slave? <laughs> when an escaped slave escapes from a no. poorly misspelled coliseum. That is just flat out horrible writing. Wow. I'm very dis I'm done. Alright, thanks for joining us. That was a good episode. When a slave escapes from a coliseum, he finds a young woman in distress. Helping that woman leads him on a quest to topple an empire and save the world. And then the girl turns into a tree. Yeah, that, well, that's accurate for pretty much all mana games. All the best heroes and villains are trees. X-Death, the girl from the mana game. Yggdrasil from that Tales game. Yeah, yeah. Trees. Great trees. Some great trees in RPGs. That, that rhyme. The tree from Dragon Quest XI is pretty, pretty great. <gasps> yeah, Yggdrasil is always a pretty cool tree. So, uh, the story is not that complex. Like I said, you escape from a coliseum, you meet a woman who's in danger, and then most of the rest of the game is just trying to rescue or protect the woman. Yes. And along the way, you find yourself in conflict with the Empire again and saving the world. She falls into the same, she makes the same pitfalls as a lot of women in games from that time and that she just is really curious <laughs> and keeps getting kidnapped or, or taken, wandering taken into away danger. For something, yeah. Yes. But that's because, so the game system is set up so that you always control you. Yes. But 
often you have an NPC helping you out. And I all I really, really liked that. That's one of the things that kind of drew me to this game is that you have this random, uncontrollable PC, NPC. Semi-controllable. Um, semi-controllable, true. Barely controllable. Barely controllable. Uh, so they, they don't want you just to have the girl for the whole game. So they, they, they don't want you just to have the Rita for the whole game. Let's Yeah, they, Rita. Let's, let's, yeah. let's give them proper names, Absolutely. shall we? Jeff and Rita. Jeff and Rita. You don't just want Rita for the whole game, so they have to keep removing her from the story so that they can swap in other characters, including at one point, secretly, one of the major bad guys. Yes. Absolutely. It's in disguise and in your party. I found the the addition of that character when I was a child gave me a certain level of emotional investment with the characters in the game that I hadn't experienced, I think, at that point in a lot of games. Like when Rita got gets kidnapped that first time in the vampire castle. Yeah. I was really, truly worried about her. <laughs> I'm like, there was this girl that I met and I protected her and she's wandering around with me and oh my god we went to a vampire castle and she got kidnapped and she could heal me what am I supposed to do yes it gave me it gave a sense of urgency that I really liked um and I felt that way about a lot of the characters yeah uh, well tell me some more we're at we're at stories and characters yeah, tell me about so some more characters other than Rita there's also the uh the man <laughs> there's just the man yeah. who throws fireballs uh, in a dungeon. There is, so there's Amanda and Lester. And I kind of want to talk about Amanda. Go by because all means. if we're talking about emotional investment with characters. Oh, yeah, no, I'm there with you. Amanda is one of your fellow slaves. Um, basically slaves, they're Colosseum fighters. Like they've been kidnapped by yeah, this gladiators. evil empire and they're gladiators and they have to fight these monsters, fight for their lives. By the way, escaping, really so much easier than... <laughs> right. the, the escape at the beginning of the game is you're in the Colosseum, you fight a monster... And then you just go out the way the monster came yes, in, and right. you escape. Yeah, it's um, they probably should have better, especially better security. In the no gladiator ever pit. thought about doing that before. Right. Yeah, um, well, apparently Amanda did because Amanda gets out too. She's one of your fellow gladiators. She gets out too, and when you meet her again in her in in within the game after you've both escaped, she's looking for her brother Lester, who is a bard. Who is a bard? Yes. Um, and he's also a party member for a while, but Amanda is the main focus of the story yes. here. So, Amanda, I don't remember the reason that you go into Medusa's dungeon. Um, because her brother has been cursed. Oh, that's right. And the only thing that can cure him is Medusa's tear. tear. Yeah, oh my god. So, you have to go through the... I'm getting emotional about this. I, I can tell the rest of this story if because, you want, because it's ingrained in me too. Yes, because you go... So, you have to hunt down Medusa to get one of Medusa's tears to heal her brother. You find Medusa, you fight Medusa, you kill Medusa Medusa before, then mocks you. Mocks you. Because she's like, oh, you wanted my tear? Tough. Too I bad. don't cry. Right, and I'm dead now. But... Amanda gets scratched by Medusa. Yeah, she gets bitten by one of the snakes, I in think. In the middle of the battle, and all of a sudden, Amanda becomes a Medusa herself. Yeah, the line comes up, one bit by Medusa is cursed to become Medusa. Yes. And guess what? Amanda cries a Medusa's tear. She said, yeah, before I fully turn, please come get my tear and save my brother. Yes. And then 
forces you to kill her. Yeah, and then and you literally have to. Yeah, you literally you, you can't leave the screen. To, if right. you touch her, it causes you damage. Yes, she becomes an enemy that doesn't move or try to hurt you. Yes, and you have to kill. You her. have to kill her with your own hands. Mm-hmm. And then go cure her brother. And that was a big deal in a Game Boy game for like a nine-year-old. And then her brother has the most useless party ability. Yeah, he does. <laughs> well, the second most useless. I think the man has the most useless because he just tells you, look for hidden passageways. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lester has the ability to change the background music of whatever screen you're mm-hmm. on. And you just keep asking him, and he'll cycle through the music. He's a jam But box. nevertheless, let's let's at least say that the women that you pick up in this game are uh, uh, give a lot of emotional depth to this story. Yeah, it's it's real good for a Game Boy game. It like, really is. So let's go ahead and move on to the combat system. a live action combat game there are no turn-based actions think uh legend of zelda or secret of evermore mm-hmm. secret of mana it is that style of run around attacking now at the bottom of the screen is a bar that slowly fills up over time yeah and then whenever you attack it empties out yeah it's your will bar and the the higher your will stat the faster this bar fills and a full bar means a special attack. So there is a benefit to maxing out your will mm-hmm. and then dodging and weaving a little bit and issuing super attacks. Right. Um, I really love the boss fights in this game. Oh, the boss fights they, are They great. are so much fun. They are mm-hmm. little set pieces right. that are just so much fun. You know, figuring out their patterns, dodging, weaving, figuring out how to attack them. Here is... There are two things that really annoy me about this game. Okay. The one that annoys me the most... Certain enemies are immune to certain weapons. Yes. And it's kind of random. Yeah, it is random. There, there is, there's a pattern to some of it, mm-hmm. but a lot of it's real random. So you have a limited inventory, which is the other thing I hate about this game, but you have to keep a variety of weapons in your inventory, and you are constantly having to navigate through the menu to switch out weapons. Right. Because, oh, there's a skeleton on this screen. I need the silver sword. Yes. Which is... Like, ten times weaker than anything else I'm carrying, but it's the only thing that'll hurt the skeleton. Yeah. Oh, okay, now this other goo thing is here. Let me switch to the Morning Star. And every time yeah, you have, there's no annoying. quick switch. Right. You have to go into the menu and equip a different weapon. Definitely a limitation of the hardware. Yeah. But it's constant threat. There is no one weapon that will hurt every monster. Sure, right. So this is, from the beginning of the game to the end of the game, you are switching weapons in order to hurt my... I, I hate that part. <laughs> it is just irritating and a waste of time. It is annoying. I agree with that. So uh, Something they improved in remakes of this game. And there have been remakes, which we will talk yeah. about near the end. So that's basically the combat system, yeah. is you run around and like Legend of Zelda, like yeah, the first Legend of Zelda. Fun. I really was serious earlier when I said it kind of made me discover action sort of RPGs. I can't remember. I guess I had played Link to the Past. I never played the old Zeldas on the NES. I started Zelda with Link to the Past. I remember this game being one that kind of that kind of opened my eyes about these action RPGs. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and move on to innovations, unless sure. you've got something else. No, I mean, that's the combat. And spells. You can also cast spells. 
True. Yes, there are. You can have a spell equipped at right. all at all times, mm-hmm. uh, and the spell levels up as you use it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are some decent spells, although I, I found I mostly stuck to using weapons. But yeah, that's kind well, of mostly... I mainly stuck to the fire spell. The fire spell. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, it's the fire spell that has like a homing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of element to it. Oh, but then some of the dungeons had puzzle. Well. There were puzzles where you had to use the ice spell. Yes, I remember the ice spell puzzle. The ice spell is like a remote control drone. Once you cast it, right. you can maneuver it around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, innovations. Yeah. previously the limited inventory mm-hmm. which sucks uh it is nice however that your weapons have a separate limited inventory mm-hmm. it's still limited you can't just keep every weapon one of the annoying things is when you suddenly find yourself in need of a pickaxe and you lost all of your uses of the pickaxe <laughs> yeah but once you get a morning star and you have to go get another pickaxe so I almost dead-ended myself in my most recent playthrough mm-hmm. because pickaxes and keys mm. uh, are very needed to get through these dungeons, and yeah. they have limited uses. Right. And they take up inventory slots, which is super frustrating because you have to try and plan for your adventure. And I was deep into a big dungeon. I think it was the Imperial Castle near mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, long. Out of keys. Oh, yeah. Completely See. out of keys. And that's when I learned the game designers actually thought this might happen. Okay. And they have a strategy. Did you, didn't, didn't you think it was weird that sometimes in random dungeons there would just be a room that has skeletons in it? Even though there were no skeletons in the rest of the dungeon and they sure. were really minor monsters by that point. Okay, right. Because skeletons almost always drop keys. Okay. Skeleton keys. Okay, I guess I never even found myself in a situation to realize that. I didn't either until I was trapped, and I'm just like, okay, I can't, I'm not going all the way out of this dungeon again. Well, that's... I'm like eight levels into this dungeon. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? I went online, and I was like, oh yeah, there's just a room around the corner with skeletons in it. You kill skeletons for keys. <laughs> I was like, that's why there's skeletons in these. I love things like because that. the skeletons are a very minor enemy by right. that point in the game. Oh, sure, it's like encountering a slime in the yeah. final dungeon. Like, what is this even doing right. here? And it's because the skeletons drop keys. That's very creative. I like that. And then once you have the Morning Star, you don't need pickaxes anymore because sure. the Morning Star is a weapon. Right. Uh, is a great weapon because it, it does weapon. it covers an area around, around you and then attacks in a distance and works as a pickaxe. Uh, so we talked briefly about the NPCs. Yes. So the NPCs join you and they kind of wander around the screen at random and attack at random. Mm-hmm. I don't think their AI is that good. No. I don't know if they even know what they're doing when it comes to attacking. But each NPC has a special ability. Mm-hmm. If you open up the quick menu and go to ask, mm-hmm. it basically says activate your special ability. Rita, as we discussed, heals you. Heals you. Which is great. Anytime she's in your party, you just ask and she heals you. Ask and she heals you. It's fantastic. Uh, Lester changes the background music. Uh, there's Watts the Dwarf. Yes. Who some of you may know from the future uh, Mama series games. Yes. Uh, he is a traveling shop. Right. You can just buy stuff from him like (laughs) pickaxes then there's some that are utterly useless that just give you like advice over and over again the man the man 
the robot, I believe, heals your mana. Yes, robot heals your. Energy. Yeah, that's when I started using magic like a mofo because <laughs> right. it's just like I have limited, unlimited magic, just throwing out spells. The the chocobo you can ride. You can ride. So leveling up is kind of an interesting system. Mm-hmm. You have four stats. You have stamina, power, wisdom, and will. When you level up, you get to pick one of those four stats. And the one you pick gets two points. Yes. Whatever is considered the opposite of the one you picked gets zero points. Mm -hmm. And the other two get one point. So it is possible to create a wildly unbalanced character. If you always boost the same, you will end up with a stat in the basement. But as long as you kind of shuffle around, generally your character's going to be well-rounded. It was a root of entry system that became normal in future mana games where you could create like a mage build or a sage build or a ninja build or whatever. But in this game, if you don't do it correctly, you can just create a a character that can cast a ton of magic but can't survive. Yeah, aim aim for balance. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a well-rounded character will absolutely be able to trump this game because the real thing of this game, it comes down to skill. It comes down to your ability to dodge attacks yes. and dish out attacks. Uh, your your skills don't have to be min-maxed a certain way. So all of this in a Game Boy game. I know. It was it was phenomenal, um, especially for a Game Boy game. And a great soundtrack. Speaking of soundtrack. We can go ahead and talk about music. Yay! My favorite, my favorite part, the one part that I know the most about. So, the composer for uh, Final Fantasy Adventure was Kinji Ito. Uh, who worked on a lot of the Saga and Mana games, as well as Jeff's favorite series, um, Hyper Dimension Neptunia Victory. Which is actually a little weird, because I enjoy the, the Neptunia games, but the soundtrack is not... I really think all of the games just use the same soundtrack from the first <laughs> game. I'm shocked to learn that the third game, which is Victory, had a composer... Probably pissed off a lot of Hyper Dimension Neptunia fans who have, like, the complete soundtracks for all of the Neptunia games. I have the complete soundtrack for all of the Neptunia games. They're all the same. But good job, Kinji Ito. I mean, good job composing... um, Saga and Mana. Being one of the great composers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are are big titles that he worked on. And then came in and did Hyper Dimension Neptunia Victory for some reason. I mean, he probably needed to pay rent. Uh, I assume after two games of using the same seven tracks, they went, we want an eighth track, and Kenji Ito was like, I've got five seconds yeah, to spare. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm free for a day. Yeah, and like I said in the intro, like the music to this game is basically in my DNA. Yeah. I can hear it in my head if I just think about it for half a second. Uh, it's, it's good. So we'll go ahead and go on to final thoughts. that Final Fantasy games are so popular and that even though this isn't technically a Final Fantasy game that that games by Square Enix slash Squaresoft slash Enix 
slash whatever you want to call the company, why they're so popular, and it's because they're so good, and the developers and the composers and all of the team behind them really knew what they were doing and really pushed the Game Boy to the limits of what it could do and created a game that is still fun to play 30 years, almost 29 years after it came out. Um, so this game is fantastic. Um, I give this game an A. It is the game between this and Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. It kind of opened me up to not just turn-based RPGs, even though I know Zelda isn't really an RPG. I know there's that whole argument or whatever, but it opened me up to like the uh, action-adventure RPGs and more adventure-based games. Uh, so solid A here. Uh, really good game. I am also going to give this game an A, although perhaps if it wasn't a Game Boy game, if this exact same game was ported like the NES, it would be more like a B plus, A minus. On the Game Boy, though, it is phenomenal for what you get out of it. It is, and the only reason it's not an A plus is that in, is that weapon swapping. I could even deal with inventory management in this game, which is frustrating and I hate, and I have dinged games for it before. I would forgive that for this game if it wasn't for that having to find the right weapon for the right monsters constantly. That lost it half a point. So it is a, it is a solid A. Uh, it is a great game, and I was delighted when it turned out to be part of a series. Yes. That's the Final Fantasy Adventure. That's the Final Fantasy Adventure. Uh, next time, Russ picked the game that we're playing. I did. I'm curious to find out if he can remember what it is. He can remember what it is. He did play it roughly 25 years ago. So you'll play it again I before we reconvene. I will, yes, I will refresh my memory um, on this game. I never had it. I think I just rented it. Um, it is probably a game most people haven't ever heard of. Robotrek. For Super NES. Oh, before we leave, though, yes. we forgot. If they want to play Final Fantasy you, Adventure. Sure. If you want to play Final Fantasy Adventure, you can track down a Game Boy uh, cartridge. Or you can or, get the Mana Collection on the Switch. Yes. Mana Collection on the Switch is probably the best way to play it because not only do you get Final Fantasy Adventure, you get Secret of Mana, and you get Trials of Mana never before released uh, outside of Japan until this Switch collection. Although now there's a remaster of Trials of Mana that you can also get that came out almost the same time. Yeah, correct. Um, there's also, though, Sword of Mana. There is Sword of Mana. Sword of Mana was a Game Boy Advance remake, like full remake of this game. I hear a lot of people don't like it, but I thought it was fantastic. And it has I the unique ability. You can pick at the beginning whether you're playing as Jeff or, or Rita. Rita. You, you can, can actually find yes. out Rita's journey. You can play Rita, which so. I highly recommend. But I would actually recommend that you play both because they are quite different. You're not. Um, and the, oh, and the, I, I forget. There's so many versions of this game. There's uh, Final Fantasy. Uh, Final Fantasy. Uh, Adventures of Mana. Adventures of Mana is the mobile game remake of this that you can also get on Vita and I think you can get on Steam now as well. Um, and it is more, unlike Sword of Mana, Sword of Mana is like a r total reimagining where you can play as Rita, you can do all this other stuff, combat is different. Adventures of Mana is basically this exact game with a graphical upgrade and uh, fixing some of the inventory management. So you got a lot of options. Yeah. You've got a lot of options to play this. 
unlike next episode's game, Robotrek, um, which most people don't even know exists. So, so just I haven't played Robotrek yet, but as a teaser, my understanding is that it's Pokemon but with robots. Vaguely, yes. So join us next time for Pokemon but with robots. With robots. See you guys. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on youtube.com slash centaur productions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you. Apparently I can't spell Coliseum. Uh, you put in too many L's and you're missing an E and there are too many S's. You know what? I don't make fun of your hmm. notes, do okay. I? I don't. They're all right here. Uh-huh. Like Amy Coney Barrett. When an escape- that was not an endorsement for Amy Coney Barrett, by the way.